podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the show that brings you untapped business ideas from successful entrepreneurs. My name is Chris Justin, and I'm here with Ethan Janney. Ethan, you uh, you've been scrambling a little bit the last couple minutes. How you doing? Good, man. I got all kinds of windows open on my computer and browser tabs. You know, I, I have to uh, I have to blame uh, meme coins. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're deep into that. I, I, I was thinking about you. Gary V is launching an NFT on 5.5. It's like he's putting very little details out there. And uh, I'm curious. I know we're interviewing your co-hosts on Monday. I'm curious what they're going to have to say about it. Yeah, we'll have to get him. Uh, we'll get look at Gary V on the edge of NFT soon. But that is that's a completely other podcast to what we're hosting today. The Run With It podcast is about starting new business ideas and we got one coming to us today that has to do with also something kind of cutting edge, and that's kind of the Shopify ecosystem. It's been around for a while, but a lot of people are talking about how it's an Amazon killer and uh, the next big wave of, of something interesting. I know I, I don't. I, I I wanted to mention something about your personal investment choices, Chris, but I don't <laughs> think that that is appropriate for me to just share here. Ari can our, our producer can cut things out. No, like that, I'll but. drop it in here. I'm I'm <laughs> bullish on Shopify overall. I think that's fair to say. I don't need to say exactly you know how much I'm investing in it, but I, that's one of the. This is not financial advice, but that is one of the stocks that I'm most excited about. I, I talked to you about it. I, I'm in Shopify now based on yeah. your, your convincing testimonial. There we go. Well, we'll probably be even more convinced talking with Chase Clymer here. Chase is the co-founder at Electric Eye, where he and his team create Shopify-powered sales machines from strategic design, development, marketing decisions. He's also the host of Honest E-Commerce, a weekly podcast where they provide online store owners with honest, actionable advice to increase their sales and grow their business. And that is the perfect person to be talking about this idea with. To give a little bit of context, Shopify is growing like crazy. We've been alluding to this. In 2015, there were 145,000 stores. And at the end of 2020, there were over 1.7 million. Holy cow. That's a 10x in five years, right? 10x in five years. Yeah, they're, they're killing it. They just had their earnings call yesterday morning. And uh, their total revenue was almost $1 billion in Q1, which was more than Q4, which if you know anything about consumer products, Q4 is the biggest quarter of the year. So the fact that Q1 was able to surpass that, that's, uh, that's massive. So over 110% year over year. But not only that, we're going to talk about the app ecosystem. Likely, we're going to hone in on that. The Shopify app ecosystem is growing tremendously as well. It nearly doubled in 2020 from 3,700 apps to more than 6,000. Partners earned $230 million in 2020. That's up from $140 million in 2019. Shopify has taken a 20% cut of that. So they're, they're pumped about all these apps coming out there. And you know everyone's trying to get a piece of this pie. So you know there's, there's a lot to be excited about here. Chase, we've been talking a while. Tell us what makes you excited about the opportunity in Shopify. So for those that are kind of unaware of Shopify, it, it, what it kind of brings, it's just a SaaS that is really, really good at the core product of selling a thing online to an end consumer. Usually a physical product is what it's best for, but I've seen digital products really do well on it. And there's a lot more stuff coming to the table for digital products on that platform. 
but all Shopify does is sell the product to a customer. Anything else, anything else that you can think of like feature functionality on, on like of your website, they don't do. That doesn't come built into the site. So you're either custom coding it into your theme or you're using an app. So anything that you can think of that's like a feature of a, a website, it's usually an app or it's custom coded for that, that website. So that's the entire ecosystem we're talking about right here. And then more importantly, there were multiple apps that existed in that gray area of essentially cloning the Shopify checkout experience. And some of them were grandfathered in. Some of them just got the boot from the ecosystem and you couldn't use them. And most recently, Shopify finally said, okay, we see the need for this in the market. So they finally opened up the checkout API, which was never open. I think it came out like six months ago, beta access or something like that. And that is like where I saw like the insane opportunity here. I want to talk about a couple examples of some apps that exist. One um, that I've realized I've succumbed to here is from Carthook. And what they do is they provide a way to upsell uh, customers after they complete a purchase. So when you do a purchase on Shopify, uh, you get this purchase token. So everything's through. You have your shipping info, the payment, all that stuff. It pops up a screen that allows you to add more items to, to your purchase. Super easy. The way that they structure their pricing is they take their growth plan. They only charge $50 per month. And they take 1% of post-purchase revenue. So on that upsell, they take 1%. Seems like a no-brainer to do something like that. If you can just increase your revenue like that, it's it's great. And the story for Carthook is pretty interesting because they originally, they did not start on Shopify and they did not want to be on Shopify for a very long time. Shopify is very protective of their customers, the uh, the merchants on their system. So much so that they uh, prioritize a great experience for their merchants over making money. Toby Luca, the CEO of Shopify, is very, very adamant about that. And they will make decisions that cost them money in the short and long term if it's the best thing to do for the customers. All that being said, these guys, Carthook, have this post-purchase offer that it didn't work with the Shopify checkout page beforehand. So they weren't able to bring their secret sauce over to Shopify and that kept them from going over there for a long time. Shopify eventually found out that these guys existed and they weren't necessarily mad, but it, it was a tense relationship. According to uh, the card hook folks, they basically came to them and said, okay, you got to do this by the book, build an actual app in our ecosystem. You guys, the card hook was on the black market basically for Shopify. They, they didn't have an official app, but Shopify ended up realizing that these guys were a net benefit to merchants and, and uh, brought them into the fold. The apps that work well solve a very specific problem for a very specific customer. Those are the ones that like see like the insane growth on the ecosystem. You know, there are merchants that are of all shapes and sizes selling all sorts of crazy products on there. Uh, a very particular one that comes top of mind right now is one of our clients. Uh, we've been you know vetting apps that sell exams that at the end of it you get a certificate, right? Like that's a very specific problem that needs solved. And these apps are not cheap. And right now is the cool thing about right now is like, obviously last year with COVID, like all of these legacy brands, all of these businesses are like seeing why going online is super important. So a lot of brands that are selling products are going to Shopify and they're bringing their unique use cases to Shopify. Another crazy one is yarn. Yarn, you sell yarn by the foot, which is not what Shopify is built to do. 
And we had a custom do that for someone the other day. You know, turning that into an app would probably crush it, if I'm being honest. The Yarn by the Foot app. Yeah. <laughs> or think maybe it's by the Yard. Yarn by the Yard. It, it's, you know, as, as far as branding, Yarn by the Yard has a little bit more ring to it, a little bit more alliteration. I want to come back to the total market size opportunity within Shopify itself, because I think that sometimes people feel like they miss the boat. One thing that I noticed in terms of market cap for Shopify, do you guys have an idea of what its market cap is? To give you a, a size comparison, Apple's is around $2 trillion. The market cap, you mean in terms, in terms of... Total valuation of the company. Yeah, total valuation of the company. Of the company. Okay, so you said they had a billion in revenue per, per quarter approximately, right? Is that... A billion this past quarter, yeah. Okay, so I don't know. Maybe their market cap is like uh, $100 billion. Yeah, so you both ended at the same number. It's about $150 billion. Maybe a little bit less. I haven't checked the number today, but... I think, and again, not financial advice, I think that this category of owning your own storefront and selling online is going to be a massive category and it's still in its infancy. So if you feel like you've missed the boat on this, I think it's easily going to be a $2 trillion opportunity, if not more. And if Shopify gets a decent portion of that, which it's looking like it will, millions of, of dollars will be made for anyone who jumps in here. Yeah, and the uh, the average store, uh, just like your basic store, has about seven to ten apps, and then your Shopify Plus stores, the enterprise level stores, have around twenty apps. So these things are being used by every store. And I should probably have this information, but I'll throw it out there. We probably have the answer among us. So if I make an app for the Shopify ecosystem, I don't I don't have to like compensate Shopify for that or give them sort of a cut in in things. they get twenty percent. They get twenty percent because you're going to be listed on their marketplace. Uh, but they're also they're also going to give you access to their customers. Okay. Well, then that that I mean that was something I was I'm sort of making a comparison here to one of these rapidly growing or just, you know, maybe they're slowly growing ecosystems, things like that. And just, you know, what happens in the long term, not to put a wet blanket on what you just said, Chris, but like you look at something like Amazon, a lot of people got excited partnering with Amazon, affiliate links, billing affiliates to website, get my whole business up and running, feel it warm and ready to run. And then all of a sudden, like they change their structure, you know, you get less commission, you get kicked off, all these kind of things happen. So uh, I was excited maybe if it was sort of like just an API and you just plug in and you didn't have to compensate Shopify. But it sounds like there's an opportunity on their side someday to come in and say, hey, you know what? Let's change that from 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 percent, uh, you know, of what's going you on. You are telling the truth. That is that is definitely a risk of this whole thing. Many of these app developers often uh, develop their solution on multiple platforms, too, though. And that's a way of diversifying that risk. So you might be on WooCommerce or something else like that in order to not be as beholden to Shopify. A big one, like one of the biggest apps I think out there is now it's email automation software, Quavio. I think they tied themselves to Shopify was the first big monster that they tackled. And then they started to, to add on Magento and WooCommerce. And then, you know, here's the API to do a custom website. But all that evolved from, you know, seeing a problem and trying to solve for it. All right, let's get into what we do, what we would do here. You started telling the story about someone you're speaking with who, and once the the cart API opened up, they uh, built a, an app. What exactly was that app? Would you mind sharing that here? I, I want to say uh, it was post purchase promotions, and I think the actual API he used was the edit order API. Okay. 
All right. So this is a relatively recent one. Are you, again, you help a lot of companies in Shopify. Are you getting the sense that there's a lot of room to add additional solutions and apps in that cart API? In post-edit API, maybe? They're on fire releasing API access. Like weekly, they're pushing updates. The storefront API, which you use to go headless, which is you know a whole other thing. Just there's new data points like added every week, and our developers are so excited about all this stuff. So it's getting more and more possible to if you can dream it, you can build it, like using these APIs. So then it gets more and more plug and play with the ecosystem. And the cool thing about this, I imagine that someone being relatively early to market with one of these apps, you're going to get the, the benefits of having a lot of reviews and then you're promoted to the top of the app ecosystem and that's a virtuous cycle there. Well, I was, going to, I was going to cut in here and say, it sounds like the direction we're going, of course, we don't know exactly what Chase's experience is in building actual applications and SaaSs, but I know that between Chris and I, I actually have done some programming. I, I worked with JavaScript for many years, not as a professional, but sort of building some of my own little applications for my business. But the truth is, even having had some experience at this point, if I was going to start a business like this, I feel like I would have to find somebody else that I was going to compensate in order to create the software. At that point, then it just comes to like maybe discussing between us, like what's a good process to come in and partner with someone who might do the coding uh, Chase, did you have another perspective or is that kind of direction you were thinking of going? I mean, that could be a great direction. I just know that there are tutorials out there by Shopify. This is how you develop an app for our ecosystem and you can walk through it and learn it yourself. Granted, you probably need to have some development chops as well for that to make any sense to you because it's not, it doesn't make any sense to me because I'm not a developer. Right. So I think it's useful to talk then a little bit uh, about the opportunities that you might pursue to hire someone to actually produce these type of apps, right? So if I go to Upwork, you know, and I search Shopify app, I can find, you know, Vitali C, certified Shopify, Shopify plus expert, you know, $80 an hour, you know, maybe we can run our idea by him and, you know, see, see what kind of price estimates he has. You know, one thing that we haven't talked about yet, but is a super important part of the job, maybe even before or, or while you're working with a developer, is just to kind of like wireframe out what you've been doing and or what you think the app should do, right? And Chris and I have been through a program called The Foundation, which helps you uh, launch a software business. So they give you some, some tips on how to go about that. For those people who haven't done something like this before, bring up a PowerPoint presentation, you know, and create just a, a rough drawing of what you think you want this app to do. And, and really, you can create almost a, a seemingly functional app, right, by just kind of creating PowerPoint slides around what's going on. And if you can actually speak with the... Um, the potential clients that you're going to work with, like say, Hey, you know, what do you want the client to be able to do? And you go through the steps, you make a little wireframe, then you hand it over to Vitali C over here at Upwork and you say, you know, what do you think? How much is it going to take to, to get an MVP out there on this? I see you guys kind of like itching to say something, <laughs> but yeah, Chris, what are your thoughts? The way you described it, I think all those are necessary steps, but I would approach it the other way of starting with talking with your customers and finding out what they need. I think you'd have a lot more leverage when talking to a potential developer of uh, if you're sharing something that is already fleshed out. And I think that the hardest part of this is actually coming up with the mechanics and the service and the incentives and all that. And that's going to be really dependent on, on uh, talking to the end users. 
I would argue that the hardest part here is coming up with the idea of like what's gonna what's gonna be an app that solves a problem for the ecosystem. And I, the number one way to do that is go talk to merchants because they'll tell you. It's all over Reddit, all over the e-commerce forum. There are people complaining about something. That's something that people. I, I even see app developers on those same forums like I don't know what to do, and it's like the post above you has a problem. <laughs> Perfect. And, and and you're saying you're seeing this kind of thing on Reddit. Uh, yeah, I see it all over Reddit. You see it in the Shopify forums. You see it, you know, if you if you are lucky enough to join the experts marketplace, I know they're revamping it, but people will come through that saying they have specific problems. Quora, if that's still a thing. I mean, they're, they're just everywhere. YouTube videos are all full of comments about like, I have this particular problem. At that point, it's look for a theme that also is, is this problem valuable to solve. If you want to start your own podcast, head over to transistor.fm slash run and get 15% off your first year of podcast hosting. Exactly, right. And actually, that's pretty cool that Shopify has these type of forums. And and you're talking about like just Shopify community, Shopify discussion, stuff like that. You just hop on there. And so many Facebook groups that have just thousands and thousands of members. This is a hard question to answer, but if you were to estimate the percentage of known problems versus unknown problems, how would you put that at? So a known problem, for example, would be in other platforms, you can have upselling and Shopify did not until recently allow you to do an upsell. So people would obviously complain about the known problems. The unknown problems are, I think, maybe uh, the sexier ones and the ones that people can get trapped in going after an unknown problem. It's harder to find market fit there. I'm curious whether you think that there is a ton of room in the former versus latter. I just think with an unknown problem, you're just gambling a lot more than fixing a problem that's already there. Because if there's, a, I mean, honestly, if there's already an app that solves that problem, then it means that it proves that there's a market. And I don't think that you should be scared to go out there and do it better. So, so if we're on these ecosystems, or not on the ecosystems, but we're in the forums or in the discussion groups, and we start to notice some patterns, or we just notice like a frustrated person who has a question, or they're in a particular niche, and you're seeing a lot of people, maybe it's even just an active niche. I, I know recently I looked in, um, actually, I think this was also around Shopify, right? So uh, I went to Fiverr, and I wanted to get someone to create a video for a project. And it was completely unrelated to Shopify. But I noticed in Fiverr, there's a ton of people who have a listing that says, I'll create your Shopify uh, Facebook advertisement. I'll create your Shopify. You know, there's like a million of these things. And what that was showing to me is that clearly there's a need for this. If there's a lot of people who are doing this, they didn't come up with this idea out of thin air. They're seeing people need that. And so there's some, some money there. So if you want, if you find a pattern like this, right, a pattern around, you know, something that's popular. So it doesn't necessarily even have to be a problem that people are complaining about a lot, although that's useful. But if it's just a heavily trafficked area, you know, a lot of people are selling a specific item and you want to go into that niche. When I look in the existing Shopify app ecosystem, I'm seeing some very niche down things, local delivery routes, planner, Tolstoy, personalized product recommendations recommendations, quiz, um, shop for good, top-rated donation, and cause marketing app, right? Like we mentioned this earlier. So I think part of what you could do is just finding that niche that seems to have a lot of buzz in it, where people are getting excited about the potential of Shopify and combining it with that particular niche. Yeah. I think uh, another outside-the-box thing to kind of think about is how's this product sold traditionally? Like if I walked into a store to buy this product, 
how can I try to emulate that experience with an online store? And there's a whole bunch of weird stuff that will happen when you kind of walk through this thought exercise. For example, if you're you know getting engine parts, some guy's going to ask you a million questions about your car modifications, things like that. Which you know your typical off-the-shelf Shopify store isn't going to help you, you know, with any of those questions. So a product recommendation engine or like a quiz that's going to help you get to the products that actually are going to solve your problem are, are often things that like it's hard to get a one-for-one interaction that's like almost the same as being in the store versus being online. And there's a very a lot of opportunity to try to get as close as you can tackling those types of problems. So so and then and we talked about this process of like you find your niche and then you talk to some potential users of this app that you're going to use, you, you know, get your wireframes together. A lot of this stuff is kind of like start a SaaS 101, although it's, you know, the word is getting out there on how to do this stuff. Um, although it was quite abstruse if you look back five years previous. And going back to the point that I brought up earlier about if you did want to partner with a developer, I think this is a question that is still not quite satisfying to answer, right? You could do all this other stuff. And maybe you can even pre-sell and raise some money. But how much do you need to raise, right, to work with a developer? What kind of developer do you want to work with? Do you want to work with someone from Upwork? Do you want to work with someone that you find, I don't even know if they have developers on Fiverr. Do you want to go to TopTel? Do you want to go to one of these agencies where, um, you know, they they promise to deliver an app, but it's like way more expensive than if you found someone on Upwork? I've had some experience. I'm curious if you guys, have you had experiences working with various like levels of developer or uh, coders in these various platforms? I have had a lot of experience because that is the name of the game. Once you kind of get to the point where you're hiring and you got a full team of people, all you're doing is constantly vetting people and hiring. To answer your question very specifically, would I partner with a developer? That's a very specific way to phrase it. I would never partner with a developer on a SaaS product if it was my idea, unless I had done previous stuff with them and I trust them and I knew them and I'd marry this person in a business sense. Like partnering with someone is the biggest financial and like mental decision that you're ever going to make in business. And I wouldn't just find a guy off Fiverr to, do, to be my partner on a project. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And you know, I'll look up the resource. I'll share the link in a moment. But there are a few resources online if you are starting a starting a startup, and they'll tell you like how to divide the equity, for example. And you can sort of check a bunch of boxes and say, okay, who was the person that had the idea? Who's the person that's going to you know? If if they're not on board, then there's no production of of this. You know, who's the person that has the industry connections? All answering all those questions. And I think that you're, you're really, truly right here, Chase. Number one, you don't always need to partner when you think you should have. Actually, there's um, an example of this I've heard a lot of lately. There's a, there's a journal called Best Self Journal, which I'm actually a fan of. I use it personally. I recommend it to other people. Um, but I've been seeing a lot of buzz from one of the founders of that, uh, where she's basically saying, I am so regretful that I had a business partner in the first place. There are all these reasons. She actually ended up you know, owning the company, I believe, and entirely like buying out her partner. But again, like seeing all these signs, and you know, you could debate whether or not you know, in, in hindsight, whether all of this would have made sense. But in hindsight, saying like, yeah, uh, I probably shouldn't have partnered in the first place. So this doesn't even go 
for developers only. This is just like in starting business partnerships in general. Um, and we actually haven't talked about that much on run with it. And, you know, we don't, we don't have a ton of time left, but it's definitely, it sounds like you might have some opinions there. I think our Are you trying to break might, up with me over here? You yeah, think? no, Chris is this and what's I, going on? Listen, 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 you work with a guy, you know, you work with a guy for like a year on a podcast and then all, all of softly. a sudden, <laughs> yeah, Chase, what did you have to say? Well, let me clarify this. I have two business partners. I have a business partner for my agency and I have a business partner for my real estate adventures. And both of them are fantastic partners. I love that you accidentally said re real estate adventures. <laughs> That's literally what it is. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. But um, I've known these guys years upon years. Uh, you know, even with my current business partner, we said no, we didn't want to start an agency together. And then it just, it happened. You know what I mean? I think the best advice I ever got was the lawyer that was helping us draw up our operating agreement. He said, plan for the divorce right now. He's like, who's getting what? That's like the best advice about business partnerships I've ever gotten. It's a painful conversation. It's, it sucks. <laughs> But you got the sooner you have it, the better everything's going to be, and the more that you're going to understand who does what, who's responsible for what, and what the thing really is. Yeah, I think it is important to recognize that those are difficult conversations to have, and you know, I don't even know. I'm probably going to. This is probably bad advice, but I'm just going to say it from my gut. It's like, let's say you don't get it right, you know, in a business partnership. It's okay, right? Like it's okay. You can move on. You can learn from your mistakes. You'll probably look back and say, "Oh, I wish I would have done this and that." One thing that I will say, like as a pro towards getting into these partnerships, whether or not you have the agreement down or the split right or whatever, don't be afraid to partner with people. You know, I feel like there was a time in my progress as an entrepreneur where I was just like, yeah, everything's got, you know, I was watching Mark Zuckerberg, you know, owning like, you know, so much more of Facebook than any other previous, you know, founder of a publicly traded company. I mean, like, yeah, you got to be like that. You got to own it all. You got to own it all. And, you know, the more and more I grow and learn, the more I, I realize that we need each other as, as individuals, people, as business owners. And by not being willing or being afraid of partnering with other people, you know, you're, 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 you're missing out on a lot and you're putting a lot on your own shoulders. So anyways, I'll, I'll put that out there, but I will say, you know, I get to echo that, echo what I said earlier, just to at least put some time and energy into thinking about like, who's doing what right now as we're getting started, who's likely to do, you know, X, Y, Z as we move forward. And what does that mean in terms of like, are we happy with that? Are we ready to continue with that? What does that mean for the stake? You know, should, should one person fully own it or not? Um, so going back to your point earlier too about a developer, you know, that's totally fine. You know, I don't really, I only want to partner with a developer in terms of owning the business if there are these specific criteria that I really know them. And then beyond that, yeah, I think it's totally reasonable to say, yeah, you want to 100% own the company or maybe you want to split the company with another business part that is not the developer, but that you feel more comfortable being a partner with. Or, or it could be the developer and it could be that you, you've known this person for a while and they, you, you respect them. Uh, you can trust them. They trust the whole thing there and you get along with them. Like nobody, you're going to be dealing with this person a lot. And if you don't like them as a person, it's going to cause a rift in your business relationship. So, you know, you got to make sure there's a good fit, like personality wise as well. But, you know, if you get those things right, like partners are amazing. I'm really good. On our, on our team, I'm like really good at marketing and business development and, and taking care of all that stuff. But I have, you know, shiny object syndrome. I know what I'm like, I get excited about new stuff and I could often, you know, drop the ball on just doing the things that needed to get done. 
And luckily I have a partner that is driven by executing and getting the things done. So we, we it's a good balance. So that's what you want to look for. If both of you are really good at marketing, it's not, probably not the best partnership. Let's talk about some shiny objects here. You've got a lot of experience at Electric Eye with uh, working with people in Shopify. You've had to come across some pain points. You advised us that we can go to Quora and Reddit and stuff like that. But I want the I want the goods. I want the dirt. Yeah. Oh man. Every here. You know what? I'm gonna in the background. I'm gonna open up Basecamp so I get reminded about what problems we've solved recently. There we go. Nice. Oh, the wholesale, just the wholesale ecosystem in general for Shopify is so lackluster. You could just build a whole business around that. Tell us more about that. Yeah. All right. So Shopify Plus is the only uh, platform, which by the way, Shopify Plus is $2,000 plus a month. So you got to be doing at least millions of dollars a year in sale for that to make sense for your business. So most people don't do that. But there are a few apps out there that exist in the wholesale ecosystem. But the way that they tackle things are super weird. You know, one that I know off the top of the head that like people are asking for, and I haven't seen a solution yet, is doing uh, net terms on wholesale invoices. Interesting. That seems like that's super straightforward. Yeah, having that tie back to my inventory that lives in Shopify. Is the challenge there? I don't know a whole lot about this accounting uh, issue, but is the challenge there that you'd actually need to have enough money to float that? Well, that's a business problem, not like an app problem. But I think the challenge the challenge is you didn't have access to the checkout API, but now you do. Oh, so that's coming. But you need to have enough people out there who's able to float the the if it's net thirty, right? To float yeah, the money I mean, for but it. most most businesses that have wholesale accounts, they they usually have terms like that. Gotcha. So it's actually you don't need to if you're the, developing that app. You don't. There's no monetary risk to you in any no, you way. You need to make sure that like it'll wait, you know, the 30 days and then charge Before the card on file or whatever, you know? Wow. Like that is super simple. Set a little timer. We just got to <laughs> cut this podcast now and start building this. Now. Okay. No, that's, that's good stuff. We custom engineered something for a client the other day that integrated web zoom webinars and uh, Shopify. We built them a sub store uh, because the founder of the brand is pretty famous in the space. And they were selling the, and they used to do like in person seminars, uh, but now they can't. So they did like in person, they did a webinar and they were selling it. And we kind of just glued it together with Zapier and stuff. But I'm sure someone could build a better solution to sell tickets to a digital webinar on the Shopify platform. I haven't seen anything like that. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Just the way that blogs are handled on Shopify are the worst part of Shopify. So just do blogs better. And there's a whole business. <laughs> Man, there's a whole, whole bunch of stuff in here. Oh, this is fun. And how are you coming across these issues, particularly in... So this comes in your day-to-day -day business and it's what you're helping people with on a one-off case, but you're saying there's like a software that could be built around it or... Um, what... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we build that we're like, we could we could definitely turn this into an app. But here's the thing. I don't have time. And it's kind of the basis of your show. It's like, I don't have time to do this stuff. I'm running a high-touch, high-value like service business you know, we're working with these clients and we're solving big problems for them and having big wins. So spinning something off into an app is a distraction. It's a shiny object. And that's immediately how my business would go bankrupt is if I kept getting distracted by those things. But I mean, I think that's a, an advantage of my position of working with clients a lot is that I'm like working with like a dozen clients at a time. So I'm seeing like 10 to 12 times more problems occur. So maybe another thing you should do is go talk to agency owners and ask them, what problems their clients are having, you know, that's probably a good resource. 
Yeah. Yeah. Someone, someone like you would just hang out, check in every once in a while, see if there's any patterns. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know if, if, if you mentioned you were open to this or not, but like you are, you are busy with your central business, but if somebody asked to partner with you, you know, and all you had to do was contribute a little bit of advisory time or something that for, for a stake in the business, that might be more manageable. Oh, absolutely. And, right. and that's, that's something I would consider it. But again, it goes back to the, oh, my whole concept on, you know, we got to like each other. <laughs> <laughs> so I do see that there is an app here, Charge Me Later, wholesale app by Buddy Apps. Pay later, pay now, wholesale customer groups and, pi- and uh, pricing. They accept net 30 terms. Do they say like when those things are listed on there? So Because you seen... looked for it previously and you didn't, maybe didn't find it. Yeah, well, it says update January 9th, 2019. So it may have existed for a while. Don't have a ton of reviews, 4.8 stars, 88 reviews. And the pricing is uh, $9.99 per month. Starts at $9.99 per month for a four-day free trial. Here's the thing, though. A lot of the apps that exist are terrible. Yeah. (laughs) So just doing it better is oftentimes enough. And then there's also a lot of clones of apps out there. And and I know Shopify is actually like chopping down on that. Like you can't just copy and paste someone else's thing. It's got to do it better or different. But yeah, I mean, I've seen people, the same exact name, just add like a one to the end. And that like lived in the the app store for six months before it finally got the boot. Any any thoughts? I mean, you know, we just talked about focusing on your primary project, right? And that's something you're needing to do with your, um, with your agency. I'm getting the sense that Part of the reason that some of these apps are so terrible is maybe it's a side project for folks, um, and and maybe that's you know what's necessary to really excel here is you might have to pick a particular app and you might have to double down on it and say hey yeah you know what this is going to be my thing <laughs> I'm going to be the wholesale you know Shopify app guy right there are so many abandoned side projects out there it, the the Shopify app ecosystem that's actually like I've seen a few people in the ecosystem be like, I will buy your abandoned app. He's like, that's my bread and butter. We're going to make that thing work. Uh, so yeah, there there are some uh, marketplaces out there where you can buy apps that are already started. Maybe they're already listed. People just don't have the time to take care of it. I mean, I get DM some of these offers on Twitter. They're like, you interested in buying an app? And I'm like, maybe, I don't know. It's not a core focus of our business right now. Right now, we, we've got some goals to focus on what we're good at. You know, maybe down the line, we'll add that to the business. It makes logical sense because we live in that world, but you can't do everything at once because uh, then nothing is good. It's a good time for you to tell us more about Electric Eye and your podcast. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Kind of like what you said earlier. I mean, we just we partner with brands that are kind of like hitting that, that first trajectory of the scaling uh, where it's the numbers are starting to look really good. And we essentially help them redo their user experience. We focus on their conversion rate, on their average order value, make sure those KPIs are kicking it. And then once those things are in a great place, and that's usually in the form of a website redesign uh, with a lot of strategy behind like how are we going to like add more stuff to the cart. Uh, once all that's great, then we, on the tail end of that, increase the sessions through paid media and own marketing. So like email automations and Facebook and Google ads and stuff like that. So that's what the agency does. And we help our clients make millions of dollars. That's super fun. In that, our marketing, you know, straight up our the podcast, our podcast is you know content marketing for our agency. Uh, but I just get to interview awesome people all day long. So I talk to brand founders and other subject matter experts. And I just learn all sorts of cool stuff every week. We put out, we're trying to put out every week an interview with an actual e-commerce brand founder, and they tell you exactly how they got to where they are. And I've done over a hundred of those, and it's always the the same thing, which is just just keep doing it once you find product market fit. <laughs> it's 
that, that there's no secret sauce. That's uh, super smart for, for a number of reasons. I love that you're not going after any of these early Shopify founders. You're going after ones who've already got some traction. Well, it's been a lot of fun talking with you here, Chase. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for taking some extra time with us on the back end and looking forward to catching up with you later on. Awesome. Thank you so much. The podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.